Welcome to Brewery Talks Podcast, a podcast bringing you the stories behind the beer. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Today's episode comes from Boise, Idaho. I sat down with Jacob Black of Lost Grove Brewing. In this episode, he talks about how he got to the point where he opened up his own brewery and his kind and his old journey up until this point. He also talked about some of the beers they have and also the brewery's sustainable practices and also how they're giving back to the community, which is huge and what they're doing is huge. So check out this episode. You guys will love it and check out this brewery. Cheers. So I'm sitting here with Jake Black of Lost Grove Brewing. How are you doing today? Good, man. Yeah, good to meet you. Well, hey, well, thanks for meeting with me. Uh, let's start with how you got into beer. Like, tell me about yourself, how it all started. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's ob- obviously a long journey. Uh, started at, uh, you know, semi-young age. Um, I got into the bar restaurant industry when I was like 15, busting tables and waiting tables. And it was uh, a place in downtown Boise called Bitter Creek Ale House. And they were kind of the pioneers or one of the pioneers of really bringing craft beer into the Treasure Valley here. Uh, and when I was there, they were doing this crazy concept where they would rotate their beers every six months, which is hilarious to think about now, where majority of like bars and restaurants are like constantly rotating their beers. Yep, yep. But it was like this big deal that like every six months they would like rotate and create like a new <laughs> beer list. Uh, and so they were like, kind of like the pioneers and I had a bunch of like awesome breweries from around the Northwest were, you know, like Mac and Jack's and, uh, Red Hook and, uh, Anchor Steam was on down there. And so they had just a bunch of like cool, cool beers, the classics. Um, and I just kind of started to fall in love with the bar restaurant scene, uh, kind of young age. So, uh, when I graduated high school, I went and got my, uh, degree in hospitality and restaurant management. Okay. And then came back to Boise and was started doing the beer ordering for Bitter Creek Ale House. Okay. Uh, and doing some front of house management there. And I had a buddy that uh, was actually an engineer um, nice. over at uh, yeah, Boeing. And he decided that he didn't like his job <laughs> and wanted to open a brewery. And so he hit me up uh, to kind of gain some insight on what the beer scene was in Boise and... Uh, you know, kind of how distribution worked and price points. And so I, uh, yeah, we kind of met a few times in the summer and I didn't know how serious he was, but then he all of a sudden just showed back up in Boise in like 2009, the fall of 2009. And, uh, I was like, dude, I, th- I just moved back to Boise to open this brewery. And it was like, Oh damn, you're pretty serious about this. Like, that's awesome. I was like, what's, you know, kind of what's the game plan? Uh, and so, you know, at that point he was still trying to find funding, kind of finish up his, uh, business plan. And, uh, I, I actually had gotten a job to move to Nicaragua and open a bar down there. So, Whoa. uh, yeah, so that was pretty sweet. So I, it was kind of funny timing cause it was like when he moved back, he was like, I'm opening a brewery. And I was like, Oh shit, I'm moving to Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> And did you actually move uh, to Nicaragua? So yeah, so I actually moved to Nicaragua for uh, just about a year. So that's about how long it took uh, Mike to um, kind of get all his funding to raised for the brewery. So I was down in Nicaragua, just chilling, kind of living the good life, wow. sailing on a boat and working at a bar, and then but kept in contact with Mike. Um, and so yeah, about August 2010, he was like, "Yeah, dude, we're getting close." I was like, "Cool." So I just sent him kind of a blind 
cover letter resume like I didn't know him. It was like, hey, this is what I can do for your brewery. Uh, and so he was like, dude, move back. So I moved back in December and uh, about helped him kind of get the business side of it going on distribution and sales. And then about six months after that, we opened up Payette Brewing Company, which oh, is one okay. of, yeah, which is uh, one of the larger breweries in Idaho here. And, uh, and so, yeah, we rocked it out for the first year. It was just the two of us. And then uh, slowly slash very quickly uh, ramped up from there. So I was with Payette for five years uh, and kind of helped them launch into seven different states, uh, get into canned products, um, distribute into a ton of different bars and restaurants around Idaho. And then kind of decided uh, I didn't have any ownership in that company and uh, we kind of weren't seeing eye to eye on necessarily like you know what the next steps were and we're we're still good friends today and i think that one of the reasons is this you know i kind of decided like hey i think it's time for me to kind of move on so one of the head brewers over there and i decided to open up lost grove brewing kind of a long-winded story of how i got into it but so i, I think my first question is so nicaragua how so that was that must have been wild that's a whole different like it's crazy you just went down there for years enjoyed it then you're like all right back to idaho uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a trip. Um, so I had a good friend that decided to open a hostel down there. Okay. So he'd opened a hostel about th- three months before I, um, had quit my, j- it was one of those like serendipitous type deals where he had just opened this hostel and I'm working at Bitter Creek, kind of talking with Mike, but was kind of just getting a little burned out. I mean, that place is a machine. It's a great place. Fantastic food. If you ever come to Boise, you definitely got to go to Bitter Creek. Okay. But brutal work environment in the sense that it's always busy you know so it was working like 70 80 hour work weeks like on the line just brutal brutal environment um and so i was like you know i'm gonna quit i gotta do my own thing Mm -hmm. and then my buddy in nicaragua was like dude you should come help me open this bar so i was like deal he's like i'll buy buy your plane ticket and give you a place to stay you just help me open this bar so i was like done holy cow (laughs) And so, and so, Bitter Creek Ale House, so that's yep. still open today? Still open today, yeah. I mean, it's a staple of Boise now. Okay. Um, it's right in the heart of Boise on 8th Street. I think they're on their, like, 25th year. Holy cow. Um, okay. We're close to it. And, uh, yeah, they're just, yeah. And now, I mean, like, going back to it, right, what was it, 15 years ago when they had changed, they would change their your lineup every six months yep, i mean yep. now you can't if you go in on a monday and go back on a wednesday it's going to be you know almost a brand new beer lineup yeah, so yeah. yeah um wow okay so you were at the brewery with your friend so it wasn't any like um when you left it wasn't like bitter like hey i'm gonna start a brewery because you guys are pretty close to pi right they're like not even a mile away yeah they're just across the river yeah it's like half a block away yeah. and was that weird at all like hey i'm gonna open a brewery like not too far from you was it all like hey like sweet like um, I mean, yeah, there, you know, at first it was definitely like a little bit of awkwardness. It's like breaking up with a girlfriend, right? <laughs> you know, um, where like, yeah, it was amicable, but you still don't necessarily want to see like that other person with somebody else, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Like you, you're, you're comfortable with it. You're excited for them because you knew it wasn't the right situation, mm-hmm. but you're also like a little bit bummed because like there was a lot of really good times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I think that's like the best way to put it. That's a really good, actually, analogy of that. <laughs> Business and relationships—they yeah. go together. Oh, one hundred percent. No, so we still work with them quite a bit. Cool. Um, so 
for a long time we were washing our kegs over there. So oh, nice. yeah, they let us roll over and wash our kegs. We just got a keg washer actually just a couple months ago. So cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, because washing kegs manually is pretty brutal, right? It's just super time consuming and just pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's the mind numbing portion of it. You know, you're just kind of sitting there for hours, right? Yeah, depending on the kegs. But yeah, we brewed a couple beers with Payette too, and I think we named them appropriately too. We have our uh, the first one we brewed was called Awkward Hugs, <laughs> and the second one we brewed was called Socially Awkward. Oh my god, <laughs> that's too perfect of a name, I think, for both of them. So then let's talk about Lost Grove. So Lost Grove, where does that name kind of stem from? Uh, so the idea about Lost Grove was that, you know, when I was k- kicking ideas and names around for, for the brewery, right when it really started to take shape, um, I realized that for like in my life, I was born and raised here in Boise, but then I moved away, you know, moved to Portland for a couple years, uh, to go to school and then went and traveled over in Europe for a little while, but then came back to Boise and then moved down to Nicaragua, but then came back to Boise. And I just kind of realized that Boise just kept drawing me back. Uh, it's kind of this like hidden gem. And so the, I guess the idea, it's the place, and it's the place that kind of makes me happy. And so the idea with Lost Grove is that it's find your Lost Grove, find that place that makes you happy, uh, kind of whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, taking it to, I like to think of like taking it on like a weekly level, you know, making sure that like, even though you're in that like day-to-day grind and like, stuff's tough and it's just a crappy week there's something that you really enjoy doing and so make sure you get out and do that or sit and read the book that you really want to read or whatever it is like find that lost grove like on a weekly basis at the minimum just to keep yourself sane and happy and like enjoying life and then also make sure you're doing that like on a yearly basis you know like looking into like what is it that i really want to do like am I at where I want to be at in my life? Or like, is there something else that I need to seek out to make better? I mean, like yourself, Nash, right? <laughs> like you are on a venture to find your lost grove. Yeah, I, absolutely. So, it's a, exactly. It's a, I was going to say what you're saying. I, I, I resonate with a little too, <laughs> a little too much. And <laughs> I've never heard until I was on your guys' website and heard about you guys never heard of like the concept of a lost grove. That is so, that's so unique. And it's a, it's just a really cool concept of like, thanks man. Finding that spot. Yeah. Um, so, wow. So yeah, and then this and then this area of Boise. So this isn't technically downtown, or is this technically downtown where this taproom is? Uh, no, this is now called the Lusk District. Lust, like L U S T. Uh, L U S K. Oh, Lusk District. Okay. Yeah, Lusk. Yeah, uh, and it's a new. Uh, I, as you probably can see from just like around it. I mean, we got some like cool old buildings. Obviously, like what we're in, but um, just the. Uh, redesign of this space uh and this area uh has really just kind of taken shape in the last five years or so um so we it was one of those where how we got into this building was actually why i ended up starting lost grove brewing i was sitting in a buddy's basement we were having some beers kind of hanging out and just talking about work and all those different aspects and i was kind of like dude i think it's time for me to start my own uh, and we were just like, well, where's a good spot? So we started like talking about different buildings that we knew of around town that would be like cool breweries and like different areas of town that are up and coming. And this building particularly was called the house of wheels and okay. they sell like hand trucks and dollies. And so 
my friend works in like the construction business and me in the brewery business, we've both been in this building like a number of times, like buying like hand trucks and dollies and stuff that we use for work. Yep. And so we're like, dude, House of Wheels building would be sick. Like that would be a perfect brewery. And all those apartments just got built because yep. sitting across from us is like 1,700 beds is with, <laughs> within a three block radius. Yeah, like literally right there, like 30 feet away. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. And then campus, right? It's 24,000 students. And that's like what, half a mile that way? Two blocks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's where like it starts. right in the heart of Boise State. Yeah, so right in the heart of campus, you know, eight blocks from downtown. So we were like, man, that would be a sick spot. So I'm still currently working in, um, for Payette and hop my car and drive over uh, to this building. And uh, they'd put up we're moving sign on the window. I was coming to this proposition. I'm like, hey, what is it going to take for you guys to move out of here and me rent this building? And uh, when I pulled up, they're like, we're moving. So I like knock on the door and the owner comes up and he's just like, we literally just put that sign up. And I was like, that's pretty crazy. I was like, how can I buy this building from you? Or can I <laughs> lease it? Like, how do we go about then these negotiations? He's like, I don't know. Like, give me your information. We honestly, like, put that up today. We're packing up boxes. Like, give me your info and I'll have a realtor reach out to you. And so, sure enough, the realtor reached out. And about four and a half months later... uh we figured out a deal. So then you, you, you got this space, and then how much renovation did it require? Was it just an empty room, or did you have to tear stuff down and put all this up? Or did they just ironically have, like, chairs and stuff already for you? Uh, no, yeah, we uh, gutted the place. Okay. So it's one of those where I think we got the cart a little bit before the horse. Okay. Um, in the sense that we got this building. I wasn't quite fully financed. Um, and so over the course of the next... Uh, about 10 months, we gutted the entire building. And uh, at the same time, I was raising capital to get the business open. And so it took about 11 months to gut the place. And then uh, we literally stripped it down to just the brick, um, to the CMU walls. So that wall that you're looking at over there wasn't there. I mean, literally, it was just the the outskirts of the building. Jeez. And then we rebuilt the entire interior. So... Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I don't suggest that. <laughs> so then, did you buy your brew, your brew house and brewing equipment based on the size you had here, or was that something where like you like uh, we're definitely brewing this size batches and we'll find a space to make it work? How did the how did that uh, kind of go in the planning stages of things? Um, yeah, so really, when we were looking at it, we were looking at you know what can uh, uh, if you're looking at it on like a financial level of how many barrels of beer do you need to be able to produce mm -hmm. um, to be profitable? And at, where's your like pivot point for the size of the brew house and how much work it'll take uh, from your brewer to produce X number of barrels? Okay. And so we knew uh, the it's the 10 barrel and 15 barrel range is kind of that like starting point. I mean, if you really got some capital, you could go obviously and get like a 60 barrel system and have like one dude brew once a week and you know that would be an easier way to do it too but this gives just gives us that flexibility of being able to do like really small batch beers on a 10 barrel system because that's what we're brewing on okay. um or we can do you know right now we can just do double batches so we can brew up to 20 barrels at a time nice. but the facility itself is set up to where we can actually put 40 barrel fermenters in there so we could quad batch okay uh if we wanted to Jeez. so we could 
theoretically, we could get close to producing about 9,000 barrels a year out of this space. Wow. Um, so there's room for growth. That's def- Yeah, room for growth. And so that's kind of what, the, what we were looking at is like, hey, we, you know, we want a small enough system to where we can get some you know, really fun, funky batches going. But a big enough system to where if we really want to try and push beer, um, we can see that growth and we can kind of get that beer pushing. So Okay. And the question I have is, how do you do a quadruple batch? I know a double batch, you do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, toss it in there, you're good. Is a quadruple batch just like 24 hours straight or is it like two one day and two the next day? Uh, you could go either way. Okay. So, yeah, you could go two and two um, or uh, you can just start in the morning and go till the evening. So on a quad batch, you'd probably be looking at about a 20 hour day. So you'd just have two brewers come in back to back. So one brewer would roll two of the batches and then be done. And another brewer would come in and roll the other two batches. So it's not ideal, uh, to be honest, you know, I mean, you're talking if, you know, all of a sudden, if you, you know, if you're successful enough to get to that point where you're brewing, you know, 9,000 barrels a year, that's where you're going to be looking to try and get, you know, a bigger brew house, obviously. And then at which point when you go to get the bigger brew house, now all of a sudden you don't have enough brew time, right? Because if you go from like a 10-barrel system and you go and get a 30-barrel system, well, what your two guys were doing, right, now it only takes one guy to do. Yep. So it's kind of that fine line of when do you spend the money to upgrade or do you just spend more money and get more employees? Now, this is a... Another question I have, I, 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 it probably changes based on the brewery and the situation, but is it typical that a brewery, if they're expanding their brew house, would they keep the one they currently have and just buy another one, or would they sell their current one and buy another one? Uh, it depends on the size that they're going to do. A lot okay. of the times, they'll keep the smaller one. Like, um, usually, it'll be like an experimental like, setup, and then like the main flagship beers will be in the big brew house, right? Totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at uh, you know a couple of the bigger breweries here in town, like Sockeye, mm-hmm. they've got a... I believe it's a 20-barrel brew house and a 40-barrel brew house. So the 20 was kind of one of their... Well, they started on a 7, then went to a 20 and kept the 7, and then got rid of the 7, kept the 20, and went to a 40, I believe. Is okay. Where at. And same with Payette. For a while there, they had a 15-barrel system and a 60-barrel system. So. Oh, nice. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's just a cool little insight yeah. that I feel like a lot of people don't really realize. Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, yeah, they're kind of crazy little systems for sure. And you get used to them after a while. And so switching into a new system takes a little time to keep the same recipe, right, to brew the same beer. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, like, you, you know, you got your, on your brew house you have, you got it down to a science, then you switch it up. Just even, like, in a different system or just different different sizing of everything, it, the beers would taste different. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of beer, let's talk about your guys' sustainable practices. So you guys are doing some pretty wild stuff on this end of things. Do you want to dive into what's what you got going on there? Yeah. Uh, and for us, you know, we're, we're still really working on our, on the full sustainability practices. We've got some good things set in place. Um, but being a small brewery, we'd like to be able to, uh, eventually kind of dive into a few more, but right now, you know, we're working with farmers, um, that are picking up our grain. Uh, we've done a few, uh, um, renewed water, uh, beers where we've actually worked with the city on getting, uh, water that's come out of our wastewater treatment facilities and then, uh, brewed some beer with that. Uh, and so that one's always, that one was a fun one. Um, just like purely based on like customer reactions was great <laughs> on that. Uh, but it turned out to be a really nice beer. We did a, uh, a Kolsch, uh, and it was, yeah, it was pretty delicious. Uh, and it actually, the water itself was fantastic to work with just cause it came at like a, it was a neutral spirit. So 
we actually had to like add back uh, a little bit of like calcium chloride and okay yeah so i definitely saw i think an article online that said toilet beer or something like that so yeah it was funny the city was really trying to push so the city actually put out a kind of a call to action of breweries to any brewery that wanted to submit and then they picked three of them to actually produce the product uh, and so a bunch of breweries submitted, um, and we were fortunate enough to get picked three. And then the city had this whole thing where they were like, you know, we don't want to call it toilet to beer water. And we don't want to be having beers named like Brown IPA, uh, or like, and so we're all like, all right, you know, like we kind of get it for sure. But then like instantly, like the day after they said that, one of the guys that got selected got interviewed and was just like, oh, yeah, toilet to beer. And like, <laughs> like said everything that the city was like, please don't say. So it's really funny. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those where it's <clears throat> I mean, obviously, that's what people are going to think right away. You know, so it's do you talk about it or do you always try and like combat it? You know, and so uh, I think it worked out in the way that like. Whenever we were trying to talk to people about it, when they're out eating, you know, you mm-hmm. really push that it's, you know, renewed water, that it's not, you know, recycled white wastewater. <laughs> Just because, yeah, even though they're thinking that and they might ask you, as long as you continue to deflect, it's still going to be at least a little bit more appetizing like, <laughs> to order that beer. Rather than if you're just like constantly talking about like, oh, yeah, yeah no, this is just like you peed and then we <laughs> cleaned it up and now you're <laughs> drinking it. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But I think really like most of our um, practices when it comes to um, trying to be more environmentally friendly are more on the side of working with the nonprofits in our community. Okay, Um, That's exactly what I was going to ask about next. So you guys have powerful pints. Yeah. And so, yeah, with our powerful pints, uh, what we're doing with our powerful pints is that we connect with 12 different uh, nonprofits throughout the year. So one a month. And our goal is, you know, we're not a huge brewery, so we're obviously not making tons of money. Uh, so for us to like be able to donate back uh, on a financial contribution is a little bit tough, right? We're not going to be able to write them a check for like five grand. Mm-hmm. But what we can do, uh, being a brewery, is you know we're also kind of a marketing company, is we can help spread the word. Yeah. And I think that that is almost just as important as financial contributions is people actually knowing what nonprofits are out there, how they help our community, um, and just informing people so that, you know, if you do have a friend that's uh, going through a tough relationship and needs counseling or some help, that there is a nonprofit that can help that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do have a dog that, you know, went blind, you know, there's probably a dog nonprofit out there that can help that. So I think for us it's really about just, like, informing uh, the public and, like, helping push that word rather than uh, just writing that check. Obviously, we still, uh, with our Powerful Pints, um, we throw a little party for them on the second Tuesday where they get 50% of the proceeds. Mm -hmm. And then for the next week, we have a Powerful Pints beer where every beer sold, they get $2. And then uh, one thing that we added this year is that we uh, are teaming up with uh, a bar or restaurant that sells our product. And we're then donating a keg of our beer to that bar or restaurant. And then they're selling it and donating 100% of those sales back to the nonprofit. Wow. Uh, and the idea there, too, is to, like, try and encourage, like, other businesses that, like, hey, this is a good thing. Like, you should be doing this, like, on a regular basis as well. Like, you should find a nonprofit that you support and that you want to give back to. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's, thank you for doing that. That's such a cool way that, you know, like you said, like even though you're not some huge corporation that, that can donate so much money, you're still contributing to the community and to a good cause. And that's such a really, uh, it's just awesome. And for lack of a better word, and that's when I saw that on your website, I emailed you. I was like, hey, I'd love to just talk about that because it's just a really cool idea of taking beer and kind of showing that, you know, beer gives back to industries or even areas that aren't beer related, you know, whatever it is. And um, I was lucky enough, actually, last night I came to the Powerful Pine Night, and that was such a cool, it was so cool. You had like, the table awesome. set up in the corner and they were uh, giving out like pamphlets and like, I think little beer koozies and information. And I mean, definitely check it out. You said the second Tuesday of every month is when they have like the Powerful Pint Night. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if someone's listening to this and you're in the area, absolutely. Like definitely check it out. It's a really cool uh, event. Yeah, come by and check it. And I mean, for us, uh, and one of the things too is beer usually always makes events better. <laughs> <laughs> that is hundred percent true. <laughs> and and people are much more willing if you go to like a charity event, you know, because you were asked, or like your friend works there, or, uh, something along those lines, you know, or hopefully you also just very, you know, you deeply care about what that event is. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's a lot easier to spend ten bucks buying two beers than just giving a $10 check, even though it's the same, right? If yeah. we donate that keg and they're there and they spend 10 bucks on two beers, well, the charity's getting that $10. Yeah. So it's, I think it's also just a great way to kind of raise some capital and it sometimes loosens up people's pockets as well. So maybe they'll <laughs> spend a little bit more. <laughs> and so there's also, um, you mentioned an event called Idaho gives that you guys are going to, that what, what is that essentially? Uh, so Idaho Gives is a cool kind of like online day where they try and get all the nonprofits in the state to kind of register online. And it's this platform that you can get on and you can donate to any nonprofit. And then a lot of times there's going to be like larger corporations that have put money into these pools that will then match like your donations. So from like 12 to 1, if you donate 100 bucks. Uh, Albertsons is going to match your hundred bucks to whichever nonprofit you give. So there's just like a really, it's kind of a cool, just like big fundraising drive. And so like last year, I think that in one day for Idaho nonprofits, they raised 1.5 million, I believe, which is crazy. That's a, that's a good number. Yeah. Which is cool. And so, uh, last year, Kylie Boland, who's, uh, like the right hand gal here, she's awesome. We sat down and we decided that this is all like an online thing. We decided that we really needed to have something that was more tangible. And so we invited 25 nonprofits down and we closed off the street in front of the brewery. Uh, and we got a lot, we got a big stage and brought in like three bands. Uh, and we basically just threw a party to celebrate the nonprofits, but also to get more of that tangible, um, that tangible feeling for people so that when they came, they could actually like talk to those nonprofits and really find out what they do um, and maybe donate or maybe sign up to where they could actually go and like help uh, at some point in time. Yeah. Right. And so that was the idea is like, <clears throat> it's great. This online program is like awesome. It gets tons of people excited about it. There's good media coverage, but we also believe that there should be like more of like a tangible aspect to it so that like people can come down and like hang out, meet nonprofits, talk to them, like hear their story. Cause that's really what I think like, you know, pulls on those heartstrings and that gets people to get more motivated to like help and give back. Yeah, absolutely. And so this year, uh, we're doing it again, except for we're doubling the size. So we're closing down two blocks oh. and we've got, yeah, three bands, 
It's going to be sweet. Um, a couple food, like four food trucks. All the restaurants in our area uh, are going to be giving back 10% of their sales that day oh, wow. uh, to the fundraiser. All the beer sold out on the street um, is also going to be donated. 100% of those beer sales is donated to uh, those nonprofits. And we've got like 54 nonprofits that will be down here. Holy cow. So, yeah, it should be sweet. And when, so what's the day or what, uh, what days is happening? It's uh, May 2nd, Thursday, May 2nd. Thursday, May 2nd. I'm writing yeah. it down for my own sake over here. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday, May 2nd. Yeah, it should be a ton of fun. Uh, and that's kind of the biggest idea, too, is that it's uh, kind of a way to just for the nonprofits to celebrate, too. Just gets a, yeah, thanks. Giving them a thanks day. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and and this is happening like right here, like right outside the brewery right here? Yeah, just right in front of Lost Grove, yeah. Wow. And so. you're and you're allowed just to block off the street like that and just throw a party? Yeah, so it takes a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. So we've been working on it now for a couple months. Okay. Uh, I shouldn't say we, I should say Kylie's been working on it for a couple months. She's awesome. Uh and so she's got the whole all the streets blocked off, worked met with the city a couple times and yeah, so working with the fire department and that all is, that jazz to get it all ass. shut that's, down. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Idaho Gives. That's a really Idaho cool Gives. One. Yeah. yeah, it's a great one. I mean, we are like half hour into this, and we, I haven't even talked about any, any of the beers yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, um, I talk a lot sometimes. <laughs> so you have, which is, uh, I think, I mean, for me, I thought it was unique. You guys have different series of beers and like different names for series. You have, for instance, something like the People Series, the the Lost Series, the Social Club Session Series. What uh, is that just like a certain category of beer goes under that category? Yeah, I mean, for us, um, I mean, one thing that we really wanted to do, especially with like for JT, who's the head brewer is not kind of get ourselves stuck in a rut of, um, having like your four year round beers and then your four seasonal beers and then your like one offs for us instead of having the year round as like our series or our seasonal series, um, we, we decided that we just wanted to create series that didn't necessarily have to do with like timing, right? Oh. And so it just gives JT a lot more freedom for what we what he wants to brew. Okay. Uh, and so we bring beers back, but um, it's also just kind of fun. So like the People series is a fun one. So we actually last year we brewed it with um, four different influential people of Idaho. So we like Whoa. brewed a beer with the mayor. Uh, we brewed a beer with an astronaut, which was super cool. What? Yeah. So this guy. <laughs> <laughs> works at Boise State, but he's an astronaut. He's done two spacewalks. He's been in space for, I think, a total of, like, nine months. Uh, yeah, real live astronaut. It was rad. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, just brewing beer back there. Just yeah, hanging just hanging out. out, brewing beer. Yeah, uh, super cool dude. Him and his wife come in all the time and drink beer and hang out with us. But, yeah, great people. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we brewed a beer with a woman, um, Actually, my mother, who's the director of one of the larger nonprofits here in town and has just done a ton of amazing things throughout the community. Uh, and so, yeah, we just brewed beers with a ton of fun people, a band uh, that's local here that's become a nationally known band. So, Which band is that? Uh, Hill Folk, or sorry, Elon Jewel Band. Elon Jewel Band. And we actually did brew one with Hill Folk Noir, but we didn't put that into the People series. But, okay. Uh, yeah, the Elon Jewel Band uh, is who we brewed it with. And, yeah. Good, good friends and great music. They got some really good folk music, uh, and so and yeah, good beer. Ghost, Ghost Town Porter. The beer turned out really good. Oh, I had so. a taste of that last night. That's nice. it's a hazelnut. That's a yeah. kick ass beer. Yeah, hazelnut coffee porter. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, yeah. So, what are some of like uh, some of the more popular beers? I mean, the I saw when I was doing some my research, and actually I had a pint of it last night. Was the Milk Milk Lemonade, which is a stout with lemon 
kind of like a little lemon kick at the end there, right? Yeah, we use yeah some lactose sugar in there, and then a little bit of lemon zest. We zest like twenty five lemons and drop it in the boil. So you just get a little hint of some citrus. Um, yeah, so that one's fun. That one's always kind of a it's a funny name, you know. So people kind of trend towards it. <laughs> but some of our most popular ones, definitely. I mean, IPAs, right? They're always just crushing yeah. it. So first sight and caramel and herb. Uh, those two definitely sell really well for us. Teddy bear picnic is actually our, <laughs> that's like our most popular single beer in the tap room. Okay. So like the IPA is kind of split sales, okay. right? But teddy bear is like sells the most. Teddy right, bear picnic. Teddy bear picnic. What kind of beer is that? It's a golden nail. Oh, yeah. okay. So just yeah, yeah. super easy to drink, crushable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it sits at like 5%. Nice. Um, yeah, just really refreshing. A little bit of like citrus in there too. Tiny bit of bitterness on the back end to clean it up, but yeah, easy drinking beer. Hell yeah. Yeah. And have you ever heard, <clears throat> it's a children's book. Uh, Teddy Bear yeah, Picnic? Yeah, Teddy Bear Picnic. I know, I've never heard of it. And it was, it was like a nursery rhyme. And then a bunch of like famous musicians uh, have covered it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I guess I just kind of creepy. I don't, I've never, uh, maybe I just, I'm, I was deprived of my childhood. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> you have to look it up. Yeah, cool. And you guys yeah. have a, a bunch of beers on top. You guys have kombucha on top. You guys, that is, you have ciders. It's like Yeah, nice I mean, we're just trying to support local too. I mean, we, you know, for us, we want to be a community space, right? Mm-hmm. Not just a, a brewery or a bar. Uh, so if there's ever like any nonprofits that like need meeting spaces or anything like that, we like allow them to like utilize the back area, um, any fundraisers that people are trying to do or put on for different scenarios. We usually let them use the space. So with that, you know, people that come in aren't just seeking out beer some of the times. Right. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we offer it all. So yeah, yeah. a couple wines that are local. And then even so. just you have uh, which is something I appreciate living on the road is that we always need a place to plug in our laptops and work. And we, try to do a place where we can have a coffee or a beer and the fact that you i could see right now like the boots have outlets right in them and the tables have uh outlets underneath them that's huge because someone could come here grab a beer and just work if they want to you know catch them on emails or you know get out of the office early and work from home aka work from the brewery <laughs> yeah no for sure and we're starting to see more and more you know like uh it's taken a little bit of time but we did also just we, op- we started opening at noon i guess last summer but uh we're starting to see more and more people come in and actually like post up in the afternoons and do a little bit of work absolutely yeah i'll, beer, so I'll cool. be here for sure these next <laughs> nice. couple weeks just coming in here nice that's all i got so the question i gotta ask is your funniest or favorite beer story that you have or one of the funniest or favorite yeah yeah, yeah. i mean there's a ton uh i bet majority of them might be somewhat uh not appropriate <laughs> but uh uh i would say one of the best was Actually, back at Payette, when uh, the head brewer over there and I were walking around the corner, we were talking about, uh, I think, some inventory or something random. But as we're coming around the corner, JT, who's our head brewer here now, is uh, he's up on a ladder. And right as we crest around the corner, um, he gets Green Dragon. Uh, green Dragon. Yeah. And so what a Green Dragon is, it's the, hey, it's your worst day for sure if you're a brewer. Um, but when you dry hop uh, in your fermentation tanks... If you uh, don't seal it quick enough, and if you're still at a, like a little bit higher temperature, mm-hmm. so like there's a couple of ways you can kind of mitigate it. You can drop your temp, but um, if you're keeping it at like that 68 degrees when you're still fermenting, it really aggravates the beer when you dump more hops in. Okay, and so JT dumps all the hops in, and he ha- goes to put the gasket and the top back on, but his gasket drops to the ground, so he can't get it. 
So when we talk aggravate, like it aggravates it. It like pisses the beer off to the point where it'll bubble up so much that it'll shoot a full four inch thick stream of beer, probably 10, 15 feet into the air, like blast it for a good 30 to 40 seconds. <laughs> it's the it's the worst in the sense that a you definitely just mess that beer up pretty good uh and then b you just get doused in beer but it's also hilarious to watch if you're on the sidelines taking <laughs> taking a look so sure enough Ian and i come around the corner jt standing on the top of this ladder just in a full panic because he had just dropped this o-ring and all of a sudden it just comes blasting out of it and it's just like full stream jt's got the metal lid trying to like hold it over it just spewing it all over himself i mean it's like full shower dude ian and i just were dying laughing it was great uh but uh obviously you know that we had to re-dry hop that ipa we lost a couple barrels out of there uh it's definitely not a fun financial situation that you put yourself in but uh hilarious to watch for sure JT had to go home early and take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that happening. I never knew the term. It was called Green Dragon. That's yeah. uh, pretty creative. Yeah. That's, makes it even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Also, I got to ask is advice for anyone who, let's say, either wants to dive into the beer industry or even like start their own brewery or kind of branch out on their own. What is just, obviously you probably have like, uh, you know, so much knowledge in that, but what's like kind of one overall advice you'd give to somebody? Uh, I would say make sure you're, you're definitely, um, not just in love with beer, but in love with business and, uh, the struggles that potentially will ensue. Uh, I mean, just cause the beer side of it is awesome and it's fun and, you know, you get to make a cool product, but honestly that really comes down to only about you know, 20% of okay. what you're going to get yourself into. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more than just beer. It's business. It's marketing. It's uh, sales. It's, yeah. It's inventory, running a bar. Yeah. Inventory. Yeah. Customer service. All the things. Yeah. It's not just beer. Even though beer is yeah. kind of the backbone. But yeah, that's right. really good advice. People, yeah, I think people, a lot of time when they are thinking about that kind of stuff, they tend to forget that it is a business. It's not just. Yeah. You, you know, I think <laughs> that's what we've seen, right? In the last like. Four years, you know, when these, shoot, what, probably like 3,000 breweries have opened up in the last four years, yeah. I think, something like that. Yeah. Which is an insane number. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like three a day, like averaging. It's, it's, I think, I mean, I was reading a book from two years ago, and it said there's like uh, like 4,000 breweries in the United States. I think now we're well over seven, and that was just a handful of years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. When we open, uh, when... Payette Brewing Company opened. Um, it was brewery like seventeen hundred and thirty-four, and that was in two thousand eleven. That is crazy number to think about. Yeah, because now, if, let's say, I mean, I, I wish I knew the exact number. Let's say it's over seven thousand. That's eight years and that many. Woo. Yeah, breweries have opened up <laughs> nine yeah, times insane. the amount. Or that's wild to think about. Okay, so we should wrap this up. What is so? If someone wanted to get in contact with you, if someone wanted to have a beer, what's the best way to come grab a beer? Where are you guys located? Email, website, all yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're at ten twenty six South Lapointe. Um, easiest way to think about that, though, we're in between Boise State and Ann Morrison Park. 
so it's a cool little tasting room. We're open seven days a week. We're open from noon until about 11 o'clock at night uh, every day. We have food trucks uh, lined up usually Wednesday through Saturday, so you can grab some grub. That usually kicks off around 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Okay. Um, if you want to try and get a hold of us, if you ever have any questions, you can just email us at info at lostgrovebrewing.com. And you can find that, too, on our, uh, on our website, which is just lostgrovebrewing.com. So we got a lot of good information there. It's pretty, I feel like it's navigatable, right? It's, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy. So, And, I mean, you guys are walking distance from downtown. Like, if someone's in Boise, they have no excuse not to just walk over. You're literally, like, a five-minute walk from downtown. Totally, Boise. yeah. We got the Green Belt, which is a really cool um, space that we have here in Boise. <clears throat> It's a path that runs all the way along our rivers, but we're just like a walk off that, and uh, we're like eight blocks from downtown Boise. Kick-ass spot, kick-ass beer. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with myself, they can uh, just Google Brewery Talks or find Brewery Talks wherever you listen to your podcast or check us out at sciencesetuptraveling.com. Hey, Jake, thank you so much for sitting today with all the knowledge, stories. Pretty crazy story, and uh, it's great to hear what you guys are doing. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Nash, yeah. Thanks for coming to Boise, man. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode. As always, if you like what you heard, go give it five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. And also today, I want to give a shout out to Scott Falkingham. He reached out to me a couple weeks ago asking where the podcast was, um, where are the new episodes. So shout out to Scott for uh, being a fan of the show and reaching out. I appreciate it. Cheers, guys.